Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Good morning and welcome to Leading Off with True Blue LA. This is your host, Eric Steven. Uh, we have a mailbag episode for you today, and uh, I asked for questions uh, earlier this week, or last week actually, um, and got uh, um, a number of good ones. I think this is going to be a good episode, so without further ado, I'm just going to get right into the questions. Uh, first is from David Young. Um, these are all from the comments uh, section. Sometimes people respond on Twitter. Um, but yeah, most the, these are all from the comments today, but from uh, David says... Um, I tend to see a lot of criticisms of the Dodgers for lack of depth in position players beyond the active roster. I recognize that you can't always time the prospects such that uh, one is on the threshold knocking down the door, ready to go in case of an injury a la Cody Bellinger in 2017. Do you have, in, do you have ideas for ways the Dodgers can sign better players to play at OKC and contribute if and when they get the call? Or should we just be resigned to the idea that the creme de la creme of players stashable in AAA ball are the Kevin Pillar types? So this is a good question, and it sort of gets into a lot of what we, we've we talked about a lot, I think, especially the last uh, year and a half with the Dodgers, is that they, you know, they're obviously prized for their depth. Um, and it's been, it's been a rough stretch. It's been very, it's been stretched very thin the last few years now. There's a there's a couple things here. Um, I I think part of it is like they were they were so deep in like the um, 2019 2020 era. Like think about this, right? Um, 
uh, you asked about position players, but I think the, the pitching side is also instructive. So 2019, they win 106 games. They lose um, um, Hyunjin Ryu to free agency. They traded Kenta Maeda, um, two integral parts of the rotation. At least in the regular season, Maeda was often switched to the bullpen in the postseason and was very effective. Um, they trade there, so they're both in the American League in 2020. They they finished second and third in the in Cy Young voting in the American League that year, and the Dodgers just simply ran roughshod over the the National League and won the World Series. So that they were just able to sort of miss uh, go you know lose those guys and not miss a beat. I mean, it helps that. Um, Maeda went ostensibly in the Mookie Betts trade, although it ended up being a separate trade um, um, to get Bruce Dargraderall. But, um, you know, that obviously helped. But, like, if you look at, like, in 2020, um, they had Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin ready to step in um, in the rotation. That played a huge part. So much so that during 2020, they even traded Ross Stripling at the trade deadline uh, because they the Dodgers just had no room for him in the rotation anymore. So, like, the fact that those guys were at the ready certainly helped. And then if you look at the position player side, I think um, they've, they've struggled basically in that regard after 2020 since um, Kiki Hernandez and Jock Peterson left. Now, Peterson was more of a regular in that he you know he played pretty much every day against right-handers he obviously didn't play a lot against lefties and but he was super effective against righties and he was sort of the one of the guys that um you know really helped the depth in that they, they would also have like a, a right-hander who could hit left-handers and all that sort of thing and it just helped to have extra guys. And like those guys being around Kiki Hernandez's positional versatility obviously helped. They, the Dodgers have Chris Taylor, um, you know, which is, which obviously helps them a lot. Weirdly this year, because of the elbow surgery, um, he's not, he's played outfield all year. And Dave Roberts said, I think last week that uh, Taylor's only going to play outfield this year. You know, going forward, um, him being back to the infield outfield guy helps things. Gavin Lux sort of transitioning into that role. He's he's split time between second base and left field this year. So having uh, more people who can go between positions, like look, Max Muncy could have won a Gold Glove at second base or at first base last year. He made the All Star team at first base last year. He hasn't played first base this year because they have Freddie Freeman. <laughs> He's played second and third base. Obviously, he's not hitting, but um, if he gets you know back on track, like having his versatility is also a help, helpful. Even though he's not, he can't really go in the outfield. But I was looking at this. So after 2020, you know, you lose those guys. I think the Dodgers tried the similar route. Like uh, the other thing about 2020 is they were obviously it was a shortened season, but they were absurdly healthy. Uh, they had a Justin Turner hamstring injury in August. Outside of that, they were pretty much healthy the entire year, including the playoffs. Uh, Muncie had the the broken thumb, or uh, I can't remember if it was thumb or pinky finger, but it sort of affected him early. But they were patient with him, and it paid off in the postseason. But 2021, they did not have that good luck health wise, um, and then they were forced to use the depth. And I, you know, I think they got caught off guard a little bit with that. So they tried a bunch of rookies. Um, 
as reserve fill-ins, Sheldon Noisy, Zach Rex, Luke Rayleigh, DJ Peters, none of them really worked. Um, but in fairness, it, it did work in 2019. Uh, Alex Verdugo, Matt Beatty, Edwin Rios, Kyle Garlick even um, came up and hit um, in whatever role they had. And like Obviously, Beatty was much more limited in that not much of a defender, but like excelled in the pinch hitting role. Now with no pitchers batting, um, no real opportunities to pinch hit, you could see why the Dodgers sort of dispatched him in spring training this year. Um, but yeah, last year the Dodgers were forced to scramble, but, but I was looking through the rosters of like the, essentially the Dave Roberts era, you know, um, the, since the Dodgers have been really good and really deep since going back to 2016, adjusting on the fly sort of seems to be the norm for them. Um, like some of these guys, these are, um, in season pickups who didn't quite work out, uh, during all these years. Uh, you have Josh Reddick, uh, fan favorite. Uh, Curtis Granderson, Brian Dozier, um, Christopher Negron, although like he, I think he, he hit like two home runs in his first week with the Dodgers. And that was a, that was a neat little thing. But, um, Jed Jericho, Yoshi Tsutsugo, Billy McKinney, and Steven Souza Jr. to name a few. Now those last three were all last year. And, um, Souza and McKinney got uh, postseason at bats. Andy Burns too, uh, so it was it was rough uh, last year, and I think you know it's all relative, right? Like the the Dodgers still won 106 games last year. They still led the league in uh, runs scored. Uh, they are leading this year in runs scored. We saw the problem though with the depth. Like they also were inconsistent, and they scored two runs or fewer in half of their playoff games, which is why they didn't get to the World Series. So that's where they're at. They have to have, sort of have. You try to like have um, the consistency, and I think you achieve that by having more like major league ready people uh, players available. So, if you look back at those years, though, having like the all world rookies come up, like Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger, were obviously like great out of the box. They won Rookie of the Year unanimously. They uh, made All Stars as rookies. It made it sort of easy to paper over uh, some of the other, like, mistakes or depth or whatever. Um, the, the fact that, like, Gavin Lux, who was similarly rated, uh, like, a top MLB prospect list before he came up, that he didn't all, um, wasn't, like, amazing right out of the gate, like, that changed the equation a little bit, right? Like, and you sort of forget, like, it's really rare to do what Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger did, like, have success right away. Obviously, Bellinger's struggled in recent years uh, a lot of that's injury related but um you know it, there's no like set path for folks to develop and like we see lux this year he's been really effective but it's taken him a little while to get there so and i think that's that's just going to happen sometimes um so it, it made them more vulnerable uh to having like a weaker bench but as for how they fix it uh, so it's it's i think it's a two-pronged thing so one I think they have to acquire like a starter-worthy position player, um, and then you you sort of dip back in that. Dave, Ro Dave, big part of Dave Roberts' job is like the communication, the uh, managing egos, managing playing time. He's he's shown like to be really good at that, just generally uh, getting players to buy in. So I think you you put a put a situation where he's he's asking folks to sort of uh, give up for the for the good of the team and, and play a little less whether that means like if you have uh 
an extra position player. So you don't have to play Max Muncy every single day. You don't have to play Cody Bellinger every single day um, when they're struggling, you know, stuff like that. And it's not just replacing those guys. It's just having extra options available. Um, so, but the weird thing about this, so the, the spring solution going into this year was already in-house. They had A.J. Pollock. Um, they were trying to re-sign Kenley Jansen. Had they just re-signed Kenley Jansen and kept Pollock instead of trading Pollock for Craig Kimbrell, which was like a luxury tax neutral move mostly, it wasn't an exact match, uh, that would have looked a lot more like the depth that like the Dodgers have been accustomed to in, in recent years. So the ironic part about this is Pollock isn't really hitting this year. Uh, through Friday, July 8th, he's 239, 280, 352, four home runs. Uh, an 80 WRC plus. So that would have been also bad. Like, so uh, I don't, there's no like, right. There's no, it's tough to, to find that actual productive bat and, and like getting production out of it. So the other way is having like better players available. I was looking, I, I thought like last year, just generally um, the roster, like at the, at triple, like they didn't, the prospects weren't like advanced enough yet to sort of reach there. The, 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 the high ones. Um, and the, like the, the veterans weren't like, they were kind of underwhelming, uh, in a way this year, they seem better. Like Pilar for all his like flaws seemed kind of like an ideal fit in that major league, major league experience has a specific skill. He could play all three outfield spots, uh, has power uh, and roughly above average offensively against lefties in his career. Like, you know, in the right role um, as a fourth outfielder or fifth outfielder or whatever, I think he would have fit perfectly. Plus, he's playing on his hometown team. Um, it just didn't work out because he got hurt four games into his uh, Dodgers tenure and he's out for the year. So they go back to the well, like, um, you know, Jake Lamb was bent has been like really bad for four years he dealt with some injuries he's healthy now he overhauled his swing so you're seeing you want to see if like that's real or not i mean so far like they traded for trace thompson who really hasn't done much except bounce around uh since he left the dodgers really and and hasn't done all that much either both thompson and lamb are essentially not quite a platoon but more of a timeshare at this point uh, through uh, their first, I guess it's really Thompson's first uh, 15 games. One of that duo has started uh, each of the last 15 games for the Dodgers uh, as, we're, as we're recording this. They have like um, over 1,000 OPS together. <laughs> uh, Lamb came a little bit later than Thompson, but the point is it's working now, and I think the Dodgers are just going to keep trying stuff to see what works. And I, I think uh, you'll sort of play it by ear. Now, and back to AAA for a second, they do have, the prospects are there now. Like Miguel Vargas is is their like their second best hitting prospect. Uh, maybe and you could argue like Michael Bush might be ahead of him, but I, I mean I don't think he is. But um, he's also there. Um, James Outman got promoted. He's on the forty man. Can play outfield. Uh, Jacob Maya at short. Uh, good good defensively he fills a role. Has been hitting in AAA. So. There, there's a lot of cl- more closely available talent uh, there now, so I think they're in a little bit of a better place. But at the same time, I wouldn't rule out um, calling David Freeze, who's only 39 years old, and he's just a phone call away if they want to um, 
get him to come out of retirement and mash lefties. So, um, <laughs> sorry for the long-winded answer. I just it was a fascinating question. Um, so Dodger John in the comments asked, "Do you think anyone in the Dodgers organization, as of today, not on the forty-man roster, gets added to the forty-man roster before the season ends?" Dodger John, one hundred percent yes, no question about it. Um, they will absolutely add people from within the organization who currently are on the 40-man. It's just what they do. Like, even putting aside um, for a moment, like, the big names like Bobby Miller and Miguel Vargas, both of whom are going to the Futures game, the Dodgers also have uh, veteran relievers. Um, Dylan Batances, he's currently in AAA. His velocity is, is, is like, low 90s at this point. He pitched back-to-back games uh, for the first time this season this week, so not saying he's, like, super close to a call-up, but uh, at least an option. He was great with the Yankees, but he's been injured for like three years. He's coming off shoulder surgery, so that's that's a big question mark. Pedro Baez was also hurt. He's in the Arizona Complex League, so he's pitching again. So they're both working their way back from injuries. Neither one are on the 40-man, but you can t- totally see a case where throw them in the pile with all the August guys. Of, <laughs> we might have this guy available at some point, and you could totally see that. Um, I think look at the final three months of last season, though just to see uh, as an uh, instructive example of how much roster churn there is. Um, so starting at the beginning of July 2021, the Dodgers added these players from within the org on the uh, to the 40-man roster. These And it, they're all pitchers, by the way. Um, Jake Reed, Darian Nunez, Josiah Gray, who was later traded, Jeffrey Ramirez, Kevin Quackenbush, and Justin Brule. That doesn't even count Neftali Feliz and Andrew Vasquez, who were mi- who minor leaguers who were acquired during the second half uh, and later added to the majors. Now, depending on um, whether there's some roster crunches with relievers reaching the five-option limit, you could see veteran minor leaguers getting the call for the short, we-need-bullpen-coverage-today uh, type of a move, only to get designated for assignment the next day. I think they did that with Carson Fulmer earlier this year, who didn't even pitch, and then Robbie Erlin as well. And they're both like still around, so yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of roster churn, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you're definitely going to see more names added who are already in the organization, just not on the forty man. They're coming for sure. Bot Fox in the comments asked, "I have a question about bullpen usage. It sure seems to me that when Doc brings in a guy in uh, on a on a second day in a row." Uh, we saw this especially with Kenley and now even more with Kimbrell. They are far less effective the second consecutive day and would be understandable. Am I just imagining this or is, in there, is there any data to back that up? I love this question. Um, I'm sort of fascinated with reliever use. I've been tr- tracking um, the last few years uh, in a Google sheet um, the, each reliever's uh, innings and pitch count. I sort of I put a marker on it if there's um, if someone throws more than 20 pitches or if they throw in more than one inning um, to sort of see it. Cause the general trend is that the Dodgers give those guys rest uh, after uh, longer appearances and that said it, it's pretty um, unavoidable to, over the lo- course of the long season um, you you can't just not pitch relievers um, not you know back to back they're gonna have to pitch. Uh, with zero days rest uh, every so often, like even, you know, especially the good ones. I mean, like, cause you're, you know, in, they're going to win 
they've won like two thirds of their games, or you know, almost two thirds of their games for like five years running. So they're gonna have um, like they're good relievers, like sort of at the ready a lot. So that said, you can't use them every day. So it's just it's like a balancing act. However, your your instincts are correct at least for this year. Um, so through Friday, July eighth. Dodgers relievers have been bad while pitching on back-to-back days, at least nominally. So they have a 5.02 ERA in those games this year. That ranks 24th in uh, Major League Baseball. But the underlying numbers aren't like too bad. Like they uh, similar home run rate in those scenarios compared to their overall numbers, and their strikeout uh, minus walk ratio is actually better in no rest situations uh, versus their like relieving as a whole. Over the over the last few seasons, though, the Dodgers have like actually thrived in those situations, even when they've used them um, quite often. Like uh, last year, uh, the Dodgers were um, had the second most um, appearances with no days rest, but they were they were excellent uh, overall in, in ERA. So like they were uh, they were fifth in ERA, two sixty seven, and their overall bullpen ERA was three sixteen. So. They, they've kind of, the last three years before this year, done excellently um, on zero days rest. They've been even as judicious um, uh, in using it. They have used that less often than they have this year. So I do think they try to avoid it whenever possible. Um, but again, it's really hard to do. So if you look at this year, Kimbrell, um, he has, Craig Kimbrell has a 450 ERA in his seven games on zero rest. But he's also struck out 12 at a 44% clip. So that's like a perfect microcosm of his season. The command just really hasn't been there. Um, Bruce Dark Gratterall had a few blow-up outings on no rest. He has an 8.53 ERA in his seven games on no rest. Um, two of the Dodgers most frequently used on zero rest have been their their best in that role. Alex Vesia has done uh, done it eight times. Um, he is 169 ERA. Phil Bickford done it seven times. He's at 129. So, um, you know, like being able to pitch, uh, back-to-back days is kind of a tenant of, um, of, of being in the bullpen. We, we just saw like Caleb Ferguson, right? The Dodgers are in the stretch of 20 games in 20 days. Um, and they put him on the injured list cause he was, had neck stiffness. Now, you know, there was some issue with that that he took that like he didn't think necessarily he needed to go on the IL but the fact that he he couldn't go back-to-back days played a huge part in that especially when they didn't have off days for three weeks so um it's just how it goes so I will note that the Dodgers over the last few years have been generally pretty good about giving relievers extra rest whenever possible like you know depending on the circumstances so uh this through uh this Friday, the Dodgers have had 50 such appearances on zero days rest. After 36 of those games, the, the pitcher got at least uh, two days off or, or more before pitching again. So they're really good about giving rest. Now, they've only used a pitcher three days in a row, uh, three times. Uh, Alex Vesia in May, Bruzdor Gratterall and Phil Bickford both in late June. All of those streaks included at least one outing of under an inning, and in the first two of those with Vesia and Gratterall, they each had at least two, or they each had two outings under ten pitches. So they weren't, they weren't going like high stress, um, lots of pitches, uh, a bunch of days in a row. Um, they're they're generally judicious about how they do it. 
But it is it is something to watch going forward because now we have a 13-pitcher limit, which has been in place since June 20th. They didn't have any uh, pitcher limits. They had expanded rosters for a large uh, portion of 2020, 2021, and then the first two months of, or two plus months of this year. There's no more security blanket. So it's definitely going to be uh, something to watch going forward. I, I really like this question. Thanks for sending. Uh, one more pitching related uh, question um, from Go786. Why have we not seen Bobby Miller pitch in the majors yet? Instead, we see Pepio, Grove, White, etc. He seems to be doing well in AA. Is this service time manipulation? Uh, first and foremost, uh, there's still refinement, I think, on the bucket list for Miller. He's the club's top pitching prospect, and, you know, he'll get to the majors at some point. Um, his walk rate this year, though, is is 9.1%. It's actually a big jump up from last year, 5.6%, for instance. So sort of working on that uh, would help. Um, you look just generally like Mitch White. He's pitched in a variety of roles in the majors uh, parts of the last three years. Um, had some major league success. He earned at least a shot at the rotation given his stuff and previous results. And I think if you look at the timing, like um, with the walk rate for Miller – relatively untested you could see why they didn't just call him up and say okay you're going to be the guy to to fill in for uh the better part of the next like month or so or whatever uh because white white started seven times now for the dodgers he has a 293 era although uh he is averaging just under five innings over the last five starts he's they're not asking a ton of him um but he's he's performing well so it's hard to really argue against that now, as for the other guys, I think circumstances had a lot to do with it. So Ryan Pepio was the first one to get the call this year um, from the minors. Um, on May 11th, he made his debut. Even though he, like Bobby Miller, was off the 40-man roster, um, but he was Pepio was also the closest to the majors in terms of development. Uh, Pepio, at the time of his debut, pitched 17 times already in AAA. He ended their last year, struggled, and was really good this year. He had a 2.05 ERA and a 33% strikeout rate in AAA when he got called up. Um, then he's been called up uh, for four different starts this year and sent back the next day. Michael Grove got the second call. Um, that was a little more like weird. You could be like, well, you know, Miller's probably better than Grove, but also it was a spot start. And do you you think about it in terms of development? Like on one hand. Are you? Do you want to bring up Bobby Miller and then option him um, this year, and then use an option this year, and then he might be out of options after like 2024? But on the other hand, if Bobby Miller is like not good enough to stay in the majors by 2025, I think that's sort of a failure in development too. So I don't think that's necessarily a big thing. But I think the reason Grove got the call is more simple than that. He was on the 40 man, um, uh, unlike Miller at the time. And I think at the, they just didn't want to do like another corresponding move um, at that point uh, to bring up Miller. I, I don't think Miller is that far off from the majors. He could very well start games in the second half. Um, I would imagine he's close to getting promoted to AAA. Like he um, he struck out ten in six scoreless innings the other day. He he kind of struggled in June relatively. Um, but yeah, you could see an issue. He, he's going to be in the futures game uh, n- uh, next weekend. In Los Angeles, so I would imagine AAA first, 
then at some point this year in the majors in some sort of role. Yeah, and then I just want to know, and I'm not not blaming you uh, for this for asking, but just as, as a general rule, uh, there are a, there are plenty of actual cases of service time manipulation in Major League Baseball. It was like a huge sticking point in the collective bargaining agreement negotiations this last winter. Uh, with the Dodgers, like Walker Bueller in uh, 2018 got optioned during the All-Star break, um, didn't miss a major league start. Uh, then he, he got called immediately back up, um, and he fell four days shy of a full year of service time. That was very clearly um, a service time-driven move, um, and his free agency got delayed by a year. So that's an example, an actual example of the Dodgers uh, manipulating service time. Um but I think just as a general rule, I don't think we should assume that every time a minor leaguer isn't called up, it's a service time manipula- manipulation thing, especially someone like Miller, who's still in double A. Like he, he does still have stuff to, to prove um, before he comes up and the Dodgers need isn't so dire. It, although it does seem like that at times, right? Like they had Kershaw out for a while. Bueller's going to be out till September. Then Heaney goes down. You could see a situation where they're like, you know what? We need to call this guy up. But I don't think they're there yet, um, and Miller's not hasn't proven like readiness just yet. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's not service time manipulation, but he's he's closer than you think uh, to the majors. I think so. It wouldn't surprise me at all, sort of see them uh, to see him pitch uh, at some point this summer. Last question uh, comes from Urbino: Do you prefer Dr Pepper or Diet Dr Pepper? Well, I'm glad you asked, Herb. Um, this is a Tommy Blackjack, uh, question for sure. Noted Dr. Pepper aficionado, Tommy Blackjack. Um, yeah. Um, I would say Dr. Pepper is the finest soft drink ever invented. Um, I like it so much that I don't even get mad. I've sort of suppressed my rage at all the Larry Culpepper, uh, commercials during recent college football Saturdays, although I think his... His character has been somewhat discontinued, if I remember correctly. I don't really drink sugary drinks anymore, though. That's sort of the issue here. Um, so I've sort of I've shifted to diet soda for my caffeine fix. Diet Dr Pepper is perfectly f- fine, but it doesn't taste anywhere near, or it tastes somewhat near, but it's not the same as Dr Pepper. Uh, Mitch Hedberg had a, a classic joke about this. Uh, he said. The commercial for Diet Dr. Pepper says it tastes just like regular Dr. Pepper. Well, then they fucked up. Uh, and that's the case. But um, for me, Diet Mountain Dew uh, is a huge mainstay, mostly because the taste is really good. Um, Diet Coke has always been passable, but it's not anywhere close to actual Coke. Now, when they when Coke Zero, um, it used to just be Coke Zero. Now it's Coke Zero Sugar um, came along. Now that is something that tastes close enough to actual Coke that it's it's great to me. So that that's really good. And then uh, last year, 2021, uh, Dr. Pepper came out with Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar, and they, I think, hit the jackpot with that. It tastes very close to the original. Um, it's Obviously, it's not the same as the original, but um, for me, uh, considering I'm not really drinking sugary drinks... Um, I'm going to go with not Dr. Pepper, not Diet Dr. Pepper, but actually Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, zero sugar. Now I'm going to go drink some right now. And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) 